I felt like a seven-day Adventist up here the past couple weeks. I had to, I had to come up and pre-record the messages on Saturdays because I don't have cell phone reception up here, and I wasn't about to ask James or Keith to come in here, especially Keith, <laughs> uh, while I was here. So I come up on Saturdays and, and pre-record everything. So we almost went Seventh-day Adventist, but we, we, we held back, and so we're, we're back here now. Um, just so you all know, and it was kind of a surprise for us yesterday that they did release my nephew uh, I told you I'd try to keep you up to date. Well, there's nothing really to keep up to date because nothing changed for him. And then all of a sudden, they were able to wean him off his medicine pretty quick and send him on home. So he got home about six or so last night, maybe six or so. So he's back home um, doing doing a lot better, they said. He, it was a little scary there for a little while when I went down Wednesday. Um, Wednesday is actually when it started getting worse. So Tuesday night, uh, when they took him down, or Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday day, whenever it was that they took him to Baptist, he was doing what they called planking. His his tone, his muscle tone was so stiff that he was a board. They like to have never got him in the car seat just to take him down to the hospital. Got him relaxed, um, got him pretty uh, pretty stable there on Wednesday. And while I was there, he started uh, running in bed. So he was his upper body was stiff and his legs just kept running like crazy. He actually wore has a carpet burn on his heels where it was just kicking the bed. So they ended up having to strap him in the wheelchair from his toes to his waist just to keep him from moving. And they could not, they tried five different medicines and they really could not find one to to sedate him enough to keep him from moving. But um, they found something. Uh, I don't know what it was, but they found something and got him under control so they was able to send him home yesterday. But appreciate y'all praying. Sorry I couldn't keep you in the loop on it much, but there just wasn't much to tell y'all. It's Nothing really changed with him. Um, something else I was going to say. I don't remember what it was. Just glad everybody's back here and fairly healthy. Mike ain't looking no better, but I'm just glad he's... That'll never change, will it? <laughs> Yeah, we're glad you laughed too. Uh, I tell you what, it uh, it's been it's been a rough few weeks, and glad everybody's back on their feet though, and and recovering pretty good. Um, if you got your Bible, turn over First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, and we're going to be looking at um, one of it's just one of those verses that we're familiar with. Um, we just we don't talk about it much, but the question I'll ask y'all before you actually get into before we get into reading this, and, and I really want you to think about this. This is a very important question for each person here. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? We ask ourselves sometimes, especially at work, <laughs> why am I here? Or what what is there out there for me? What is there something better for me for my family out there? But the question this morning that I want to ask you is, what is your purpose? We've all got one. Every single one of us, no matter how old, how young we might be, we got a purpose. I I, I look. Well, I'll use Clayton now since he's the youngest, but I look at him and I think, what's God got in store for him? And you look over here, and you got these two, and you got, she's back there, I can hear. I can see a little ponytail right there on top. What's her purpose? What's their purpose? They might be young. God's got a purpose for them. 
But they don't know about that stuff yet. They're not even thinking about God's purpose for their life. We're old enough now. And some of us are older than others, and we still need to ask ourselves, what's God's purpose for us? Because we've always got something to do. Lord, I hope you never plateau. I hope you keep climbing. That's the worst thing in the world to ever happen is to plateau out and feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and I'm not going to change. I feel like this is, no, because God's always got something else for us to do. We're always climbing for him. We're always doing more for him. So we've got to keep moving up, but we have a purpose. And what is yours? What is yours? I'm going to read this to you this morning. Um, I love this. It's a little story, and, and it just, well, I'll tell you what, I wasn't going to read this this morning. I was actually just going to get on into the, the message, but I, I feel like y'all probably need to hear this this morning. I love it. It says, a beggar lived near a king's palace. One day he saw a proclamation posted outside the, play, the palace gate. The king was given a dinner. Anyone dressed in royal garments were welcome. The beggar went on his way. He looked at his rags that he was wearing, and he sighed. Slowly an idea crept into his mind. He made his way back to the palace. He approached the guard at the gate, and he said, Please, sir, I'd like to speak to the king. The guard said, Wait here just a moment. A few minutes later, he brought the beggar before the king. What do you want? The king asked. Yes, your majesty, I want, I want so much to attend this banquet, but I have no ro- royal robes to wear. Please, sir, if I may be so bold, may I have one of your old garments so that I too may come to the banquet? The beggar was trembling in fear for what the king might do. He said, you have been wise in coming to me, the king said. He called to his son, the young prince. He said, take this man to your room and array him in some of your clothes. The prince did as he was told, and soon the beggar was standing before a mirror, clothed in garments that he had never dared to even hope for. You're now eligible to attend the king's banquet tomorrow night, said the prince. But even more important, you will never need any other clothes. These garments will last forever. The beggar dropped his knees. He said, oh, thank you, as he cried. But as he started to leave, he looked back at this pile of dirty rags at the floor, or on the floor. He hesitated. What if the prince was wrong? What if he, what if he would need his old rags again? So quickly, he gathered them up. The banquet was far greater than he had ever imagined, but he couldn't enjoy himself as he should. He made a small bundle of his old rags, and, he kept, and they kept falling off his lap. The food was passed by so quickly, the beggar missed some of the greatest uh, delicacies. Time proved that the prince was right. No one come to ask for his royal clothes. Still, the poor beggar was doubtful, clinging to his old rags. As time passed, people seemed to forget the royal robes that he was wearing. They saw only the little bundle of filthy rags that he clung on to whenever, wherever he went. They even spoke of him as the old man with the rags. Many weeks later, as he lay dying, the king visited him. The beggar saw the sad look on the king's face when he looked at the small bundle of rags by the bed. Suddenly, the beggar remembered the prince's words, and he realized that his bundle of rags had cost him a lifetime of joy. He cried bitterly at his foolishness to hold on to those old rags. I don't know if that's true or not, but I love that story. And I've read that for years, and I thought, today's the day. I'll read that to y'all. Those old rags that we hang on to. As Christians, I hope I don't get too far ahead of myself on this one. As Christians, we have been adorned with a new robe. We have become a new creature. As Christians, when we ask Jesus into our heart, it doesn't matter where you're at when you ask. We get clothed. 
Our old rags go away. Those old rags, those old filthy, dirty, sinful rags are washed away, cleaned up, put away. They're taken from us, and we are given something greater. We are adorned with a new robe, a beautiful robe, a robe that we can't imagine, a robe that we have never seen, colors we've probably never seen before. We have become the most beautiful creature that we could ever imagine because we have shed those old filthy rags. But the problem is we're a lot like that beggar and we want to turn around and get a piece of that old cloth and take back with us. We want to grab a hold of that old rag that is our old life and we want to hang on to just a piece of it because it reminds us of our old ways. It reminds us of the, the things, that the, maybe the fun that we used to have or the lifestyle we used to live. Even though it was sinful we, and we're to get rid of it, we still want to grab a little piece of it as just a reminder by grabbing that old rag, you're not living the most joyful life that you could ever live. By hanging on to that bundle of rags that you, you have. I was thinking about, we got a big old bundle that actually came from the hospital. There's big old blue rags. You know, they use them once and they bundle them up and they throw them out. They won't use them no more. We got a big old bundle of them things at the fire department. And I, and I look at them and, and I always think about this story right here because there's a lot of blood that was shed on those rags. There's a lot of disease and there's a lot of bad things that took place for those rags to, that, that those rags had to go through but they were washed and they were cleaned up and they were given away to us but there's always that reminder there's going to be those stains there that we look at to remind us of something bad that has happened to that person that was that those rags were used on if we grab a hold of those old rags in our lives if we grab a hold of the the old worldly rags it's going to be a constant reminder of the life that we used to live and it's a reminder of what we are not to be living it's a reminder of the sinful life and God said, you don't need that. I've given you something more wonderful, more beautiful than you can ever imagine. I've given you eternal life, and I have robed you in some garments that you've never seen before. I've given you the best. Turn loose of the old rags. Turn loose. I've given you a purpose. That's what God's telling us. With new robes, we have new purpose. With new robes, we have new responsibilities. With the old rags... There was nothing there for us. With the old rags that we wore before salvation, there was no good in those rags because they were filthy, sin-filled rags. No good has ever come out of old rags. But with this, the new robe that we put on, with the new clothes that God has given us, greatness comes with it. Eternity in heaven with Him, adorned with the rest of y'all. We're all going to be, we're, we're going to be playing we're not playing. We're going to be princes and princesses. We're going to be royalty when we get to heaven. We're all going to be adorned with beautiful robes. When we get to heaven, there will be no bundle of old rags because those old rags are sin-filled rags because we're going to leave those bundles of rags here on earth. We don't have to worry about that. We'll never see those rags again. But this side of heaven, we tend to want a piece of that cloth. We want a reminder now, I don't have it in this Bible because I'm still trying to break this thing in. But in my other Bible that I used for years, I've got little reminders in there. There's little things, little pieces of cloth or rope. Some of y'all may even have some the blue rope I give y'all years ago in your Bible as a reminder to, to hold on to the rope. I don't have that in my Bible right now. We have these little reminders. Some of them are great reminders. I've got a hanky that my aunt gave me whenever my uncle passed away. It's just a reminder of her love, the love she had for me, 
she gave she she uh she embroidered it did she embroider it or she wrote on it one can't remember now but anyway we have these little reminders of, of the love that, that people have towards us, and, and we have these things that we hold on to. Right now, we might not be wearing that gorgeous, beautiful robe that God has, has uh, put on us or given us, but we have His Word to hold on to. This is the reminder of all the goodness and all the great things that were, are to come in, in the, the next life when we get to heaven. This is what we need to hold on to right now, not the old rags. Not the old you, not the old sinful you, not your old habits, not your old, your old ways of life, but this. Hang on to this, because right here is where all your promises are. Right here is where we're going to get direction as we go through the rest of this life. Right there is where we're going to be reminded of the goodness of God. Whenever we look at this, whenever we open up the Word of God and we start reading, we're going to be reminded of that robe that we have, and we should be forgetting about the old rags that we grew up wearing, that we, we lived out that sin-filled life, where we forget about those old rags. So this morning I ask you a question, what's your purpose? You're probably still thinking about that. What's your purpose? And I don't want any answers. That's between you and God, but there is a purpose there. And that's a question that many people ask, but very, very, very few will ever find the answer for because they don't really seek it out. They don't pray through it. They don't ask God enough, what, is my, what, what do you have in store for me, Lord? Just like that old beggar, we come to Jesus and we're given those royal robes. But we still want to hang on to the past. We tend to hold on to that old life. And I hope this morning you're going to be encouraged by this scripture that we're about to read. And that you'll find a different outlook on life. That you'll find something, something that's been buried deep in your heart that maybe you've just overlooked or you've missed it for some reason. Maybe this morning, from Peter, it'll shine a little bit more light on it. And you'll get to see what your purpose is. If you've got your Bible open to, to 1 Peter chapter 2, stand with me just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which is time past, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Jerry, will you open us up, please? Amen. You can have a seat. In order to know who you are and what your purpose is, you have to know what kind of person you are. I'd say all of us probably sit here this morning and we think to ourselves, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I go above and beyond for my neighbors. I would help my family. I would do this or I'd do that. I, in my mind, I'm a good person. But are you really a good person? We all like to toot our own horns. We're all pretty proud of ourselves. But if you ask 
someone else what kind of person you are, what would they say? What would they say? I remember sitting back here in this back room with, with Jerry and Conley and James. And Jerry, I don't know, you remember me asking you, or I told you, if you need references on me, I'd give you a couple names from my former church because they didn't like me. They'd be honest. They'd be honest with you. <laughs> they didn't like me. I loved them. They're hard to deal with sometimes, but we all have our own opinions of ourselves. Now, once you believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ, you become very, very special to Him. Now, we're all special to God. Even those people that, that are not saved, God still loves them. Even though they have not put their trust in Jesus, His Son, He still loves them. And it breaks His heart for them people to die and go on to hell. But when we're saved, we become very, very special to God. We become something great to Him. You become special because you trust His Son. God the Father has only one Son. As that old song says, the one I, I tell you all I don't like so much, where He says he, that he searched all over heaven for a perfect sacrifice. He didn't search all over heaven for nothing. He knew exactly where that sacrifice was coming from. He knew that it would be His only Son, His only begotten Son. He knew that. And God said, you're special because you put your faith and trust in my only Son. Not the angels up in heaven. Not in the disciples. Not in Moses. Not in Joshua. Not in Daniel. Not in Paul. But you come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. And He said, you're special. I love you. You're a special type of person. God takes all believers and he does four wonderful things for them. First thing, and this is coming through verse 9 right here. First thing he does as believers, we become a chosen generation or a chosen people. I like that, a chosen generation. Now, now I'm going nerd on you right now just real quick. And it says the Greek words for chosen generation actually mean a chosen race. A chosen generation is a chosen race. Now, I, I'm not talking about... Um, new races forming. I'm not talking about, you know, China getting rid of all the youngins and then, you know, the with the Nazis, you know, they were trying to raise up those blonde-haired, blue-eyed youngins. I'm not talking about that type of race. We're not trying to come up with a new race. It's not a new race. It's a race of its own. It's a generation of its own. As believers, as Christians, we become part of that new race. We become part of that new generation that race that only is in heaven, there's nothing else there. It is just God's people. You go around, I've, I've been around the world, I've been around all these different countries, and you see all these different races, you see all these different uh, groups of people, and they worship differently, they talk differently, they look differently, they eat differently, they live in different houses. But when we get to heaven, we're all going to look alike, and we're all going to be worshiping the same God. We're all going to be singing praises to Him, and we're all going to be in the same place in heaven. And so we become a race, God's race. We're no longer going to be like the, the kids saying red, red, yellow, black, or white. That's not going to be us. We're going to be one. We're going to be one. And you're probably thinking, what in the world is he talking about? As believers, we're all given the Holy Spirit that changes us inwardly, not outwardly. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's done. When we get saved, we come up as a new creature, but that doesn't mean we're going to look differently and we're going to act differently, but we're not going to look any, any different. We might have a smile. We might have a little bit of a glow to us. I don't know. But the change that takes place through the Holy Spirit comes through our heart. All right, it didn't make my hair grow. That's obvious. All right, it didn't, it didn't make me any prettier. It didn't give me 20-20 vision in both eyes. But it did something to my heart. That's what matters. Is, that's where the change takes place is in the heart. That's what makes us different. It, we're not given new facial features. We don't, get a, you know, we don't get saved and get plastic surgery so that our face looks perfect. All the wrinkles are gone and all the scars are gone and all you know, our hair is in, in place and all that stuff. That's not what happens. Those things mean very little because they will, at some point, they're going to change, they're going to age, they're going to die, they're going to decay. That's not what happens to our heart. When that change takes place in our heart, does great things inside our body for us. It makes us a new person. It puts a new, a, a new song in our heart, and it makes us do things that are not of this world. It gives us just joy. I'll be honest with you. That's, that's the only way I really can describe it. Holy Spirit just gives you this joy. It will give you a peace. And it makes us different. God is changing people in their hearts and changing them in the place where it really matters. Not their minds, but in their hearts. In the heart is where our life comes from. So if the change happens in our heart, and as our hearts are beating, it's pumping out that joy through the rest of us. So when that heart's pumping, it's making us smile. It's making us sing. It's making us praise and pray and do all that stuff. But He changes it where it matters. As believers, we become a royal priesthood. And that, again, that's over in verse 9. You take a child and you tell them that they're going to be a prince or a princess one day. If I was to tell any of these, I can't tell my girls that anymore. They're going to be princesses. But if I was to go over here and say, hey, Ethan, you're going to be a prince one day. Do you know that? See, he knows that. He knew it. Everybody's told him that. Where's Kylie at? Kylie, are you sleeping? Hey, Kylie, are you going to be a princess? You yeah see you're gonna be a king we gotta be a prince first all right but see we got a king or I'm sorry a prince and a princess right there they're honest with you ain't they they knew they were gonna be a prince or a princess one day Conley you gonna be a prince one day see <laughs> that's exactly what I was going for we, things change over time they say not me. As you get older, once you become a believer in Jesus, though, you're royalty. So, <clears throat> I don't care how old you are. See, right now, they're thinking Disney princess and prince. But when you get a little bit older, you get past that, and you start thinking heavenly royalty. As you get saved, you become royalty. So, even though here on earth, Conley may not be a prince, but in heaven, when we get there, we are royalty. That, that ought to move you right there. That ought, to, that ought to make you smile knowing that down here on earth, things may not change, 
My, I may still be wearing some rags. I might not have the best looking uh, robe on right now or suit or whatever. I might not have the best looking clothes on right now. But by George, when we get to heaven, this is all changing. From top to bottom, from my hair to my toenails, my, my outfit's going to change. Everything's going to change in my life once I get to heaven. And I will become royalty. We're, we're a people of destiny. God's kingdom is not of this world. It's out of this world. We're heading, we're heading home. Every one of us, we're heading home. I don't know if it's when the guy has the baby or not, like Jerry's telling us in Sunday school. <laughs> but we're heading home sometime, whether it be the grave or the rapture, we're heading home, and we're going to get that robe. Third thing is, believer. as a believer, we become a holy nation. Now, this, is, this one, I love this one right here. It's, this is a very meaningful for, for Christians because God is building a new nation of people. He's building us something great right now. He says that he's gone to prepare a place for us. He's building us that mansion. He's gone right now, and then he did tell us. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's going to come get us. So right now, he's building us something great, something that we can't fathom. You look, um, you go up in, in uh, GFCO or Limbo Ridge or some of these places, and, and you look at these really nice houses that are up there, and they're great. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them not so much, but most of them are beautiful. And we think, wow, I'd like to have something like that. That, There's no comparison to what you see up there as to what we're going to get in heaven. So he is building us right now a great place, a new nation, a holy nation, the Bible says. And that holy means to be set apart. That's what holy is, a set apart. So we're having our house built, not made by hands, and it's holy, and it's beautiful, and it's set apart, and it's for each one of us as believers. We'll be different from other people of the world. Once we receive Jesus, we become set apart. We're, again, not of this world. We're special people. And so we become different in a good way. And the fourth one here, as believers, we become a peculiar people. Now, in the original language, the phrase means a people for God's own possession. That's what peculiar means, not strange or different. That's the way we typically, that's the way I like to look at it, especially when Nat's here. I like to think of him as peculiar, but he's different. That's not what this means right here, a people for God's own possession. We're God's possession. We're his special people. We're special to him. Again, because we have decided in our hearts that we can't do anything on our own we have decided we have made it a, a conscious decision in our hearts to accept jesus christ for what he has done for us and who he is we've accepted that and we've asked him to be our lord and savior and we have become special people peculiar people and he's going to provide and protect us and make sure make sure that, that we continue to be secure. And the Bible tells us over in Romans 8, 38 and 39 that we can't lose it. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, and I cannot remember all the other things, but I love it. He said, I'm persuaded nothing can remove us from the love of God. Deuteronomy 14, 2 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. We're different. The second thing we'll look at this morning is our purpose in this life is declaring the praise of Jesus Christ. Telling the world 
That's, that's part of, that is the Great Commission right there, is to go, go and tell the world about Jesus and to praise Him and to, to honor Him and to worship Him and to glorify Him everywhere that we go. That's part of what we do. That's, our, that's one of our purposes as a Christian is to go and do that. This phrase in here in verse 9 says um, that ye should show forth. That means to speak out. It means to tell everybody to go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. To show forth that ye should show forth. Speak out. Tell everybody. Go ye therefore. That's what Jesus told us. When he ascended back to heaven, before he went back to the Father, he left us the Holy Spirit and a great commandment. He gave us something to comfort us while he is gone, and he gave us a command. He said, go tell the world. I'll sum it up for you right there. Go tell the world. You go to the four corners. You go to the uttermost parts of the world, and you tell every living being in this world right now that I am who I am. You tell them who Jesus Christ is. Go tell them that I love them. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how dirty the rags are. Go tell the world I love them. That's all he's asking. That's part of what we're to be doing. Go and tell, go abroad and tell everybody. Well, why? Why would we do that? Well, first of all, God or Jesus told us to. That's his command. But it's also because Jesus himself has called us out of darkness. As a believer, and we took off him old rags and we put on that new robe, he has called us out of darkness, out of that sin-filled life, out of the pits of hell. And he is, he is, the Bible tells us right here, it says, um, back up here, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were stuck deep and really deep in sin. Really deep in sin. We was marred up. We was up to our necks in sin. Couldn't get much deeper than that right there. But as the old song says, love lifted me. Love. Said I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the distant shore. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I, if, if and when I ever get out in the ocean, few and far between, but I keep my eye on that shore. Everywhere I, I back, everywhere I go. It don't matter where I park, I back wherever I go. Well, when I get in the ocean, I back in the ocean because I'm going to keep my eye on that shore. I don't want to get too far from that shore. But as that song says, I was sinking. And I was far from the shore. But he says, love lifted me. The Bible says, out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what love does. It lifts us up. It makes you happy. Puts a smile on your face. A little giddy up in your, in your step. But that's what love does. It lifted us up. Now we're a people that uh, belong to the God of the universe. As we have accepted Jesus, we become, again, a group, a nation of our own, of God's people, of God's people. And our job is to tell that message to everybody that we come in contact with. Love lifted me. I don't care how big a sinner you are. Love can lift you up. I don't care how much weight you have on your shoulders right now, all the burdens that you might have of all the sin in the world on you right now. Love 
can still lift you up. That loving hand of Jesus Christ will still lift you up out of that miry mud. Maybe this morning we're held back from telling because we're still holding on to those old rags. It's hard to grab a hold of things when your hands are full, ain't it? If you used to get a handful of, of rags and carry around, it sure does make it hard for us to, to grab a hold of somebody and, and shake their hand. It makes it hard for us to grab a hold of somebody and give them a hug when we're still holding on to some old rags. Put those rags down so you can help your brother. Somebody's down in the ditch. It's kind of hard to pull them out whenever you got your hands full. Put your rags down and be a help to somebody. Tell the world about how Jesus saves and how much He loves you. And the third thing this morning, in order for us to, or for all this to make sense, we have to understand what God has done for us. Verse 10 says, Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now I want you to see two great things about this verse right here that God has done for each one of us. There's two big things in here. Two major things right here. Number one, we're made into a people of God. A people of God. Now, right here, what does it mean, not a people? It says not a people right here. It means without purpose, no significance. Right here where it says not a people, that means we don't have a purpose. There is no significance in us because we don't have God. Because we don't have God. We're missing the point of life. But the Bible says, but are now the people of God. This means the opposite. When we become a person of God, when we become a Christian, a believer, whatever you want to call us, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, when we become a believer, when we are saved, we have a purpose. When we are saved, there is significance in our life now. There is something for us to do. There's a, there's a mission for us. There is a commandment for us to follow because we become one of His. Secondly, we have obtained mercy from God. That word, mercy. Thank God for mercy. That's all I can say about that. Mercy means not getting what we deserve. How many times have you got down and said, Lord, have mercy on me? Lord, have mercy on me. And I don't mean that wrongly. I mean, we, if you think about what we deserve... We better be asking God for some mercy because we deserve a lot worse than what we get. I don't deserve heaven. I don't know many that really do deserve heaven. But God and His mercy says otherwise. Do you ever think about it? Think about mercy. If it wasn't for mercy, <laughs> I don't know where I'd be right now. Before we came to Jesus, we ignored and we rejected him. We refused to call Jesus, calling his name for salvation. We refused it. When we repented and turned to him, we received that mercy. Instead of giving us what we deserve for our sins and rebellion, God had mercy on us. And what did God do with that mercy? He saved us. He saved us. And when He saved us, it's almost like He put His arms around us and He said, you leave that bundle of rags right there at the altar. You leave that bundle of rags right where you stand right now. Don't you dare touch them again. 
There's no good in them rags. There's nothing good left in that bundle of old rags. Just drop them and walk away. That's all he's saying. Drop your rags and walk away. Enjoy this life. Don't be like that beggar wearing a beautiful robe, royal robe, but hanging on to the past, hanging on to the old stuff. He missed out on a lot of joy in his life. Prince told him, said them things will last you for the rest of your life. You'll never have to worry about them. They won't decay. They're not going to rot. not going to fall off. They're not going to fade. None of that stuff. They're not going to wear. Seams ain't going to come undone. But what did he do? He didn't trust the prince. And he carried those rags around with him. And he missed out. This morning, trust the prince. Trust the prince of peace. When he says, you're forgiven and you're saved, when you ask him into your heart, trust the prince. He's not going to lead you wrong. You don't need them old rags. There's no good left in them. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a moment this morning. I'm going to ask you again, what's your purpose? And just, just think about your purpose. We've got one. God's got great plans for us. He told us that over in Jeremiah. He's got great plans for each one of us. He's got great plans for the church. But just think about that. Maybe some of you are saved, but you're still holding on to those rags this morning. Just let them go. Just let them go. Those rags, can, they can hinder your service to God. They're heavy. I don't know if you've ever picked up a bundle of rags before, but they can be heavy. You don't need that weight. You don't need those burdens. You don't need that old past. You don't need that old lifestyle because you've been given a new robe. You've been given something great. Leave those rags right where you are. And I'll say this this morning. Maybe you've never come to Jesus. Maybe you've never given him your rags. That's the most important step that you'll ever take in this life. Coming to Jesus. Bringing him your rags. Bringing him your old dirty self. And say, here I am, Lord. I love you. Forgive me. God, have mercy on me and save me. Maybe this morning your life is a, one of those of confusion. You're just not sure yet. You don't know if you've got a purpose or not, and you think there's no hope. There is hope. There's glorious hope. And that hope is in Jesus. And this morning I pray the Holy Spirit's told you it's time to cast aside those old rags and put on that new robe. He's got one just waiting for you. Father, this morning I just want to thank you for Thank you for taking my old rags. God, I thank you for that new robe I got waiting for me. For that new nation, for that new home that you've got prepared, just waiting on my arrival.
Lord, it burns my heart this morning, the thoughts of those empty robes that could be filled. So many people in this world right now don't know about your son, Jesus Christ. They rejected him, or they just hadn't heard yet. And God, I pray today that you would just give this church and each individual that's here today encouragement. Lord, just give us what we need to get outside the church, Lord, and tell others about how good you've been to us and how much you love every single person in this world, no matter what their circumstances are. Lord, again, we thank you for your son. As we said, that is your only begotten son. The sacrifice made for each one of us on that cross. Lord, we can't thank you or repay you enough right now for it, but Lord, when we get there, Oh, Lord, when we get to heaven, we'll be at your feet for a long, long time, thanking you and praising you for showing your love through that sacrifice on the cross for each one of us. And, Lord, this morning as we close out, as we said earlier, if there be one here, if there's one listening, might not be able to make it to the altar, but they can get down on their knees right where they're at and drop that bundle of rags and pick up that new robe and put it on. In other words, they can ask for forgiveness, repent, and ask God, your Son, Jesus Christ, into their heart and be saved. Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation for someone that's listening. Lord, we thank you again for this time that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to come back here to your house to worship. Lord, it's hard to stand behind this pulpit when there ain't nobody here with you. I'm sure it does make it easy when you got the Holy Spirit filling up these pews. And Lord, I pray you'd bless this church and continue to use us. Guide us, grow us. Love on us, God. And I pray, God, that we would just honor you in all that we say and do. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, good Lord willing, and the church don't rise. We'll be back here Wednesday. I hope we'll be back here Wednesday. If we don't finish up, if we don't finish, I can't remember where we're at now. If we don't finish that up, I'm going to have to reread it. Where are we, Rita? Or Carolyn? I know where we're at. I'll just tell you Wednesday when you get here. All right, I'll see you all Wednesday night.